you know, sometimes I wonder, am I like boring the audience by continually pointing out the same, you know, the same thing over and over? Like, I'm not breaking any news that CNN and MSNBC are awful. Um, so maybe I should not highlight segments where it's just insanely absurd what they're doing. But then I think, well, I want to arm my audience with the most information possible in real time of what they're doing. Because to me, yes, uh, 2016 was 100% rigged. There's voter suppression. There's election fraud. But the real systematic rigging is what you see every day in the corporate media. Because the corporate media is basically waging an information war, not just against Bernie Sanders, but against progressive policies and progressive movement. And that information war is based on propaganda and lies. So I think it's my job, even if I got to do it over and over again, to point out when they are grossly, grossly lying. And basically, instead of being journalists, being agents of corporations, agents of multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerates and all that. So when I watched, and by the way, I got to tell you the truth. I honestly don't know why Bernie Sanders keeps going on with them. And if you're going to go on with them, at least fight them. He's too nice to these people who continually lie and are continually, you know, basically trying to, with him on air, uh, trying to discredit him, trying to lie about his policies, trying to lie about their popularity and basically trying to smear him. So I don't really know why he keeps going on, to tell you the truth. But that's a, that's a different story. I'm going to play for you this bonkers, ridiculous CNN clip. And again, Bernie keeps going on, so I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. But this is uh, clip one, where Bernie goes on and CNN really is very concerned about the private health insurance industry. They're very, very concerned what's going to happen to the private health insurance industry. Here we go. All right, with just a week until the next Democratic debate, Senator Bernie Sanders is heading to Canada this Sunday. He will take a bus tour with diabetes patients across the border to buy less expensive insulin. Part of his Medicare for All push and his attempt to try to stand out and own the health care debate in the crowded field of Democrats. And he joins me now, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Thank you for being here. Thank you. My so you're, you're going to take this bus tour as our latest polling shows that you're really neck and neck. You are pretty much tied with Kamala Harris uh, and Senator Elizabeth Warren behind uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. That's a CNN poll of polls. Tell me what this should indicate to us about how you plan to stand out and show the American people on our debate stage next week that you're different from them. Sorry to cut you off, Bernie, but I got it. That was line number one. That was line number one, and I don't understand I really don't understand why Bernie Sanders does not call it out. Bernie Sanders is not essentially tied with Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I just showed you this yesterday. Bernie Sanders uh, is number two in the most recent Iowa poll. He's number two in the most recent New Hampshire poll. And he's number two in the most recent South Carolina poll. So he's number two in most of the early states. Bernie Sanders also in a recent Gallup poll uh, of all the candidates had the highest favorability among any candidates, meaning he's the most liked among every candidate. Bernie Sanders in the most recent, uh, I think it was Democracy for America, a progressive group, 
straw poll, Bernie Sanders is far out ahead. So she's putting forth something to make it seem like you're essentially tied with Kamala Harris. You're essentially tied with Elizabeth Warren. Hold on, let me get you the thing. CBS, here we go. So is this essentially tied? Iowa, 19%, Warren 17%, Kamala Harris 16%. New Hampshire, Bernie Sanders 20, Elizabeth Warren 18, 12, Kamala Harris 12%. South Carolina, 17 for Bernie, 12 for Kamala, Elizabeth Warren 12%. And by the way, yes, Bernie's only up by two there, uh, five there, uh, two there, as I've shown you over and over and over and over and over and over and over. All of these polls are wildly undersampling younger voters, younger voters. Secondly, I mean, I'm going to whip this out right now. This is a political piece, which astoundingly was pretty decent, basically showing that Bernie Sanders is beating Elizabeth Warren in almost every single important demographic you could ask for. Yet, Bernie Sanders doesn't challenge the CNN anchor on her falsehood that they're essentially tied. I mean, let's take a look. 22% of Democratic primary voters who earn less than 50000 annually support Bernie Sanders, while 12% are for Warren. So, according to an average of the past four weeks of morning consults poll, of those without college degrees, 22% are behind Sanders, 10% back Warren. So, the lowest income people support Bernie significantly more than Elizabeth Warren. Secondly, that is important, and CNN is not going to report this, because if that demographic, the lowest income people, those without college degrees, are what Trump excelled in. That is why Trump is president. It's not Putin. It's not Comey. He got the highest amount of uh, people, particularly in the Rust Belt, without college degrees. The blue-collar worker, working, man and, working man and woman of America without college degrees. Bernie picks off at that. Elizabeth Warren does not. You want more? I'll give you more. Um, roughly the same percentage of voters with bachelor's degrees. 16% for Bernie, 15% for Warren. So they're essentially tied among those with bachelor's degrees. Warren beats him with postgraduate degrees. There's a similar split based on age, gender, and interest in politics. Sanders wins more than one-third of the 18 to 29-year-olds. That would be the millennials. Uh, 25... Uh, more than one-third, so I think that's 26, 27%. Warren gets 11%. Warren has the support of 13% of those aged 30 to 44. Well, Bernie has 25% of those aged 30 to 44. So Bernie's beating her in 18 to, 20, 18 to 29, 30 to 44. Then you look at 45 to 54. Warren has 13% of those. Bernie has 17. So Bernie, basically, up to 54 years and under, Bernie Sanders is beating her. Bernie is also beating her. 20% of men support Sanders, 11% uh, for Warren. 18% of women are behind Sanders, 14% behind Warren. Bernie is also beating her 19% to 9% among African Americans. So when CNN says to Bernie Sanders, you're, essenti you're essentially, um, you know, tied, I don't know why he buys into that false premise. He should say, uh, that's incorrect. You know, Elizabeth Warren is my friend, but, you know, that's incorrect. We actually are leading in Af among African-Americans, age 18 to 29, uh, 25 to uh, 34, 34 to 45, on and on and on. And those without, uh, those without college degrees, 
those even with bachelor's degrees. So I, I don't, his, his campaign is arming him with the information. I can tell you that. So sorry, some of you don't like when I criticize Bernie Sanders, but I mean, I don't know why he's buying into this false premise. Let's look at more of CNN's uh, propaganda with Bernie Sanders. What I am worried about is that millions of people in our country cannot afford the outrageously high cost of prescription drugs. We pay by far more than any other country on earth. And yet last year, the top 10 drug companies made $69 billion in profits. One out of five Americans cannot even afford to fill the prescriptions that their doctors prescribe. That Mm -hmm. is pretty crazy. We're gonna be going over the Canadian border to make a very simple point. And that is at a time when we have an epidemic of diabetes in this country, we're gonna take people into Ontario, Canada, and we're gonna buy insulin And you know what the differential is? The differential in prices between the United States and Canada is 10 to 1. 10 to 1. We're going to buy insulin in Canada for one-tenth the price that it is in the United States of America. And I think that issue is an issue that must be dealt with. We've got to take on. You see how immediately when he starts talking about the issues that matter, she starts already starting. Let me cut him off. Let Let me cut him off. He's making too much sense. He's making too much sense take on the greed of the pharmaceutical industry. And I know that you've recently announced that you are giving back uh, any money that comes from big pharma like Pfizer, etc. Clearly, this is the key issue for you. Let's dig into it, Medicare for All. There's a new poll out that I'm sure you've seen just yesterday, an NPR Marist poll. It just asked Americans a simple question. Do you think Medicare for All is a good or bad idea? 41%, only 41% said it's a good idea. 54% said it's a bad idea. 39% of independents only like it. And even three in 10 self-identified Democrats are skeptical. Huh. Why? No, why I don't is think... It, why well, is first it the of all, best plan hold for it, hold America it, hold when it. a majority... I... Hold on, I asked the questions here. When a yeah. majority of yeah. Americans aren't behind it. Well, obviously, you saw the poll that came out... Uh, from the New York Times two days ago, in which 78% of Democrats thought that Medicare for all was a good idea, and 69% of independents thought it was a good idea. Medicare for all, depending on the wording of the, of the poll, does very, very well. And the answer why it does well is the American people are sick and tired of a dysfunctional health care system in which over 80 million Americans are uninsured or underinsured. Mm-hmm. And we are spending almost twice as much per capita. On- so sorry to cut Bernie off again, but I have to point out, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not a political advisor here and I'm not a strategist, but I'm just watching. I don't know why he doesn't say, well, you know, it's fine, uh, Poppy, for you to cherry pick the polls that fit your narrative. But I'm sure you know there's other polls that show X, Y, and Z. Bernie Sanders, one thing that Donald Trump, he is growing more and more by the day into a fascist. I've avoided comparisons to Hitler, but I can't avoid them anymore. What he's doing at these rallies with center back and this race war he's igniting is very similar to what Mussolini, Hitler, and other fascists have done. If you don't agree, just do the research. Putting that aside, what he did expertly was punch the corporate media in the face in 2016. Of course, the reason he was elected in large part was the corporate media, but People like when their candidate or any candidate fights back against media lies. I don't know why Bernie Sanders continues to keep buying into premises and not pointing out that they are intentionally framing things a certain way. 
For example, I did a story last week on this anchor's co-anchor who showed one poll that, you know, fit his narrative and totally left out three other polls that showed Medicare for All has majority support. So I'm not sure why Bernie Sanders can't nicely say, uh, Poppy, you know, I understand that poll that you just showed fits the narrative you want to push, uh, you know, for your corporate station. However, there's a new New York Times uh, statistic, as well as other polls that show the opposite. Point out that they are doing propaganda. Point out their bias. I don't know why he doesn't. Stop being so nice. These people are not being nice to you, Bernie. They are literally political operatives masquerading as journalists. So you don't have to be so nice to them. It's time to figuratively, I'm not calling for literally, punch them in the face. And we are spending almost twice as much per capita on health care as do the people of any other country. The so, American people are sick and tired of seeing insurance companies become rich while they can't afford the health care that they need. So let's let's talk about this a little bit more and what it would mean for the for the average American. You were on Fox News Good. Sunday back in June with Chris Wallace. It was a fascinating interview. This is part of it that really struck me about whether Americans could keep their doctors, their hospitals exactly as they have them now under a Medicare for all plan. Here you were. What we are talking about, despite a lot of misinformation coming from the insurance companies and the drug companies, is allowing all of the American people to continue to go to the doctor that you want to go to, go to the hospital that you want to go to. I really like my doctor, and I'd like to keep going to her. But what if she decides, Senator, that a Medicare for All plan doesn't pay her out enough, and she's going to just take private uh, patients that I would have to pay well, out of pocket to go to her? And that's okay for me, because I can afford to. But it's not okay for most Americans. Could they still keep their doctor if their doctor decided these rates aren't enough well, that, for me? That, that. So before I, before I get to Bernie's answer, I, I want to point out, do you understand in the premise of the question and the premise of the whole segment, they are basically defending and advocating for a for-profit private insurance industry. That is what CNN and MSNBC are doing. So she is very focused on, well, what about in the rare cases where people are not able to see their doctor, where they see that as the problem. We need to ask them about that in, in the, because it will be the exception to the rule that people won't be able to see their doctor. But they are very focused on the plight of the private insurance companies and the for-profit system rather than the fact that the majority, uh, an overwhelming majority of people can't afford to see their doctors. It's not about whether they could see the doctors they want. Currently, they might be able to see the doctor they want, but can they afford to go see that doctor? So we all have access to a lot of things. I could go and, you know, go to an open house. I have access to that open house, but can I afford the house that's on the market? So this CNN angle and the entire framing of all of this, and it's not just this segment, it's all of them, is how do I advocate? How do I pretend to be a journalist and pretend to be neutral and pretend to be, you know, worried about the American people? The question is, how do you keep a system where the majority cannot afford to see their doctor currently or cannot afford to get the lab work because there's extra costs for, get, you know, drawing blood? 
or preventative care or mammograms or a prostate check or whatever it is. So this CNN anchor in, in the framing, and it gets worse, is just oozing with concern for the private for-profit system. And she's also misstating uh, in terms of, you know, whether people's doctors won't, won't participate. Let's take a look at more. That is not the way the system is going to work. Uh, the system is going to work similar to what exists in Canada. And what we are going to see is an expansion of Medicare, where almost all doctors are now in Medicare, to cover every man, woman, and child in this country. What we are talking about is a four-year transition period. Right now, as you know, eligibility for Medicare is 65. We take mm -hmm. it down at the end of the first year to 55, next year 45, next year 35, and then we cover every man, woman, and child. And by the way, what we also do is expand Medicare coverage for seniors to include dental care, so, hearing aids, and yes. eyeglasses, which are not currently and covered by Medicare. That matters. But I'm just asking you, the fact of the matter is that not all doctors take that because they don't all like the rates that they're paid. So can you 100% guarantee to all Americans that their existing doctor would see them under this plan and they would not have well, to pay out of pocket a private well, rate? But as you well know, right now, all Americans cannot go to the doctor that I, they want and within I their, hear you. Within and their I own insurance program. And I think the system is broken and it needs to be fixed some way. But you said well, earlier this summer that people could essentially keep their doctors in their hospitals. And I'm right. just wondering, right. is that 100% true for every American? Well, under Medicare for All, as I said on that show, every American will be able to go to the doctor they want because doctors will be in the Medicare for All single-payer program as they are right now in the Medicare program. Look, the time is overdue, it seems to me, to end a dysfunctional system which enriches the drug companies and the insurance companies and do what every other major country on earth does, guarantee health care to all people, freedom of choice with regard to the doctor and the hospital, and at the end of the day, we will save the average American considerable sums of money on the amount of he, ha he or she has to spend on health care. Okay, so that's your guarantee to the, to the American people. We'll talk well, a lot more about it. No question, Senator, on the CNN debate stage, but I do... So, before I move on to the rest of the interview, which got much, much worse to the point where, see, that's the, that's the ambulance coming. That's the ambulance coming. I gotta be honest with you. Some of you don't like it, but that was just a weak sauce performance by Bernie Sanders. It, it was. Now, he's running around the country, might be tired, whatever. I'm not, like, attacking him, but that was just weak. Because, let me tell you something. What he should have said is, well, Poppy, you do understand supply and demand, right? You understand how the economy works? So, if all Americans move into a Medicare system, Medicare for all, then these private doctors that you're currently saying, you're currently saying not all doctors accept Medicare because they don't get enough of a payout. Well, this is going to be the entire consumer class, meaning in the including the entire American people are in the Medicare program, meaning that doctor isn't going to have a client base if they don't take the payments. That, that those doctors are not going to have patients if they're not willing to participate. Sure, they'll have, well, 
sure, they'll have, uh, if, if they want to be the exclusive doctors to the 1%, people who live on Park Avenue in New York City, sure, they could refuse to participate. But the overwhelming majority of doctors are not going to have a choice but to participate if they want to make any money. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's just the, how the economy works. That's how su- supply and demand works. That's how consumership works. So the point is, and I don't know why Bernie Sanders didn't say this, the doctors that you're talking about, Poppy, that refuse to participate in Medicare now, well, Medicare is only available for those 65 and older. In Medicare for All, every single person, every single person will be on Medicare for All. So these doctors are not really going to have much of a choice but to participate. It's not that complicated. And if they don't want to participate, then they could go find their own customers that are not on Medicare for All. Secondly, moving on beyond that point, uh, moving on beyond that point, Poppy, should we focus on maybe the 5 to 10% of people who are not going to be able currently to see the doctors that they see under the Medicare for All system? who I don't even think it's that much. I, I don't think it's going to be 5 to 10% people. This isn't Obamacare. This is a government system. Obamacare is a Republican uh, private-public partnership that was a giant wet kiss to the insurance companies. It's not progress. It's not a progressive healthcare system. It's a market-based system. So, Poppy, should we focus on the 5 to 7% of people that might have to shop for different doctors, or should we focus on the 95% of people that will remit, be able to see their doctor? You're trying to get some, uh, you know, gotcha soundbite that not 100% of people will be able to see their doctors. What is more important, the 95% of people that will be better served or the 5 to 7% of people that might have their doctor not participate? I mean, the premise of the questioning is absurd. They're only focused, their main focus is on preserving and whining and fighting very, you know, it's under the guise of we at CNN and me, Poppy Harlow, are very concerned about the American uh, taxpayer and the American citizen who might not be able to see their, pri- their currently their doctor because their doctor might not participate. In reality, they are mostly concerned for preserving the private health care system over at CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, The Washington Post because they get very good health care through that system. These are not the people that have any at all connection to what the majority, you, for the 500 people watching, are dealing with day to day. Let me tell you something. The people at CNN have fantastic health care. Same goes for MSNBC. Same goes for the Washington Post, the New York Times, and most media companies. When I was at MSNBC, it was very good health care coverage with a very limited deductible and the copays were affordable. So I got to tell you, and I'm not like attacking Bernie Sanders. Obviously, I support Bernie Sanders, but I can't be a fanboy here. If if he's not explaining it right or he's not pushing back right, then I'm going to say so. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. That wasn't even the worst of it. Are you ready for the worst of it? Oh, it's like swatting away flying. You remember Mario Kart? You remember Mario Kart? Did any of you ever play Mario Kart? You know, you're, you're driving around, you're driving straight, and there's banana peels and shells coming at you and all this stuff. I feel like that's what I do every day. I'm trying to drive on the road that is journalism. I just got to deal with this corporate propaganda in the form of banana peels and shells and all this stuff. Oh, it gets worse, Jason. It gets worse. It gets worse. I hope you all are on, uh, you know, full full stomach. So let's take a look. Uh, Now uh, they want to uh, push this absurdity 
about Bernie Sanders' campaign is getting underpaid or, or you know, Bernie's not walking the walk. It's insane. But I do, I do want to ask you about some few other, I think, really important issues. Because you have been this yep. loud voice for a living wage for as long as I can remember. I mean, this has been a key yep, signature right. issue for you. $15 an hour. We saw what passed in the yes. House last week. First presidential yep. candidate to unionize your workers. Since then, you know the Washington right. Post reporting that many of your field yeah. workers <laughs> were working much more than you know 40 hours a week, therefore making less than $15 an hour. You guys offered to pay them $42,000 a year that would bring them up to that rate. The union said no, because then we wouldn't get enough uh, coverage of our health care costs. I get all that background. Fundamentally, because this has been a signature issue for you, I'm wondering, did you know? that many of your workers were well, not making, many of your staffers were not what, making $15 an hour. Did you know that? What I did know is that I was insistent that everybody on our staff make at least $15 an hour. And in fact, they're making $17 an hour. And the, you, the offer that we made to the union several months ago would have accomplished that. And I'm happy to tell you, but, by the way, that offer was just accepted. It so, was. you know, we're back to where we started. Yes, it was. It's not, you know, I understand when you have a union, and we were the first campaign in the history of this country, because uh -huh. I respect workers' rights, and I respect the union movement. We had a union. We made an offer which would have addressed that problem several months ago. It was rejected. We underwent negotiations. It is now the offer. It has been accepted. So starting today, all of those workers that are salaried will make 42000 a year or equivalent to $15 an hour? I believe it's more than $15 an hour. And okay. also, by the way, as probably the best health care plan that you can imagine, I believe we cover 100% of the health care cost of our workers. So I am proud of having led the fight for a $15 okay. an hour minimum wage, and I'm proud that all of our workers are going to be well paid. Well, that's news. I so I don't even know where to start with this. I didn't even bother covering this when it came out because it's so stupid and absurd, and it's not even true. So let me... Let me debunk the propaganda, because frankly, I think Bernie Sanders didn't get enough sleep before this interview. Uh, to me, this wasn't his best work. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I don't think he uh, advocated for himself so well in this interview. So first of all, this story that came out, I think it was in the Washington Post, Jen, is not true. So what happened, first of all, let, let's, before we get to Bernie Sanders' campaign, Let's talk about the other campaigns that CNN doesn't seem to ask Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar or any of them. Do you know that Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, as a way of not paying interns anything to having unpaid interns, basically what they do is they set up three different systems. One is um, paid internships. And those plans, uh, let me find it actually so I could show you. I don't see Elizabeth Warren getting asked this on CNN or anywhere else. Unpaid, in, in, uh, unpaid interns are practically non-existent among Democratic presidential campaigns, but some top-tier candidates appear to be finding a creative way to tap unpaid talent, offering vague fellowship opportunities as volunteer positions. There's no singular definition for a fellow among 2020 candidates, and most this cycle don't offer the option. But two leading contenders, former VP Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren, give applicants who are selected a chance to participate in the campaign as volunteer fellows without requiring compensation or academic credit. Volunteers are asked to do something. Workers are told. Renee Haggerty, an executive council member for the Campaign Workers Guild said, everyone who's working on a campaign should be paid. Warren's campaign features one joint application with three options, 
paid internship, volunteer fellowship, or volunteer fellowship for academic credit. Applicants are allowed to select more than one when applying. Basically, Elizabeth Warren is setting up less, less positions that are just normal internships that are paid and other options that are fellows. And what a fellowship is, if for those of you not aware, what a fellowship is, is a glorified internship without the pay. It's fellows do the same exact things as interns do without the pay. But you don't see CNN bringing this up. Elizabeth Warren's campaign is also not unionized. Bernie Sanders was one of the first, Bernie Sanders' campaign was the first campaign in political history to unionize. So it's the double standards and the selective concern for workers' rights when it has to do with Bernie Sanders. But putting that aside, what Poppy Harlow put out there is just not true. So what happened in the Bernie Sanders campaign and why it was rectified in the first place so quickly is because Bernie Sanders made his campaign unionized, was in a presidential campaign, whether it's Bernie Sanders or any campaign, very rare that people are working only 48 hours, uh, only 40 hours a week. It's a presidential campaign. It's not a nine to five job. Most people know this. Uh, you know, you're working weekends, you're working nights. Sometimes you're working, you know, 10 to 15 days in a row without a day off. Sometimes you don't have a day off for a month. This is presidential campaign politics. So Bernie Sanders campaign was paying $15 an hour for 40 hours of work. Um, what was happening was people were working more than those 40 hours and some people in the campaign, uh, I don't think it was like a huge amount of people in the campaign, complained that they were working all these extra hours so uh, ultimately they weren't getting paid $15 an hour. I think those people in the campaign, instead of leaking it to the Washington Post, should have went to the campaign manager, Fez Shakir, because they were, Bernie's campaign was willing to iron it out. So it's not like Bernie Sanders' campaign, again, who's the only unionized campaign, was stiffing workers. It's that they're paying $15 an hour for 40 hours of work. And beyond that, uh, because so many people were working more than 40 hours, they were falling under. Now, you could say, well, that makes Bernie hypocritical. But Bernie Sanders is talking about $15 an hour for jobs in America. If you work at a company, if you work at a hospital, if you work at whatever. This is a presidential campaign. They have a different amount of money coming in every single month. Some, some months are more than others. So you can't, you, you know, it's apples to oranges. A, a presidential campaign, you're lucky if you get paid $15 an hour. I mean, this is just the facts. He could only, you know, it's like status quo. I could only pay what money is coming in to, to hire new people. So it, it's just a dishonest argument. But as soon as those workers, who I think shouldn't have leaked it, they should have just talked to the campaign manager, uh, as soon as it was complained about, this was months ago, by the way, uh, they were complaining, before the story went out, what happened? The union that Bernie Sanders allowed to have to the uh, campaign to have a union, the union negotiated with the campaign, and now they uh, changed, changed the revenue stream. So every single person is not only making $15 an hour, they're making $17 an hour. The tyranny. The tyranny. So I don't think Bernie Sanders defended himself the right way because honestly, they were making $15 an hour. It's just that they were working more than 40 hours a week, which is the, is the, is the case for every presidential campaign since the beginning of time. Bernie Sanders is 
offering better pay and better health care than any other campaign. He could be offering less money per hour. He could be offering less in health care. And that would mean his campaign has more money. So, for example, Elizabeth Warren raised $19 million uh, uh, in April, May, and June. The corporate media made a big stink about it, that she outraised Bernie Sanders by a million dollars. Well, part of that is because she has a lot of unpaid interns that she doesn't pay, which I just showed you. So what if Bernie Sanders didn't pay $15 an hour? What if Bernie Sanders, um, you know, paid $12 an hour and also didn't offer as good of health care as he wanted? He'd have more money on the balance sheet. So that's also how things work. There was also a story that Amy Klobuchar's campaign, as well as John Delaney's campaign, and a lot of these other t lower tier candidates were delaying payments to their campaign workers so that they could report more money uh, per quarter that the campaign had. I think if she would have paid her campaign workers uh, before the FEC deadline, she would have had 6.2 million uh, on 6.2 million she would have earned for the second quarter. But because she delayed their payment, she was able to say, we raised $7 million because they had more money in the balance sheet. So workers are getting delayed pay on some campaigns so that they could inflate their costs. So again, CNN, they know that he was paying them $15 an hour. It's that they were go surpassing 40 hours a week. And because people on the campaign, you know, you could argue rightly had a problem with that. They went to the union and the union negotiated a better terms. That's what Bernie Sanders is advocating. But they're trying to make him seem like some hypocrite. It's absurd. But this is the real doozy in the interview. This was my favorite part. I like to end on a positive note. So very quickly here, everyone's comparing you to Senator Elizabeth Warren. You often say she is my friend. Uh, let's end with something you admire about her. What is the thing you admire most about Senator Elizabeth Warren as you get ready to take her on on the debate stage? Well, Senator Warren is a friend of mine, and I admire the fact that we have worked together uh, over the years uh, on a number of issues. Anything specific? Well, look, we have worked together on a number of issues, uh, <laughs> and she is a very good senator. All right. Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh... Uh, Bernie, Bernie, can, can you, can you, uh, can you just tell everybody... How, how much better is Elizabeth Warren than you? Why should people vote for Elizabeth Warren over you? Uh, Bernie, do you mind, do you, would you mind terribly just, you know, blowing wet kisses to Elizabeth Warren? That's the positive note that CNN wants to end on. Can you basically make the case for Elizabeth Warren over you? I mean, it's, it, it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Bernie, um, you know, we're really trying hard to prop up Elizabeth Warren here at CNN. We're really trying to basically kick you out of the race. We're trying to destroy your campaign. Do you mind if you just do it for us? Can you, can you tell, like, you know, you know, can you explain how Elizabeth Warren, like, she just never gets any poppy seeds in her mouth when she has a poppy seed bagel? Can you tell how, like, immaculate her teeth are? Can you tell people why, like, you know, I'm just in this to prop up Elizabeth? And, like, she's obviously the better choice. Honestly, I think she would have won in 2016 if she would have ran. I, I'm sure, I'm sure CNN is going to ask Elizabeth Warren that question.
on the debate stage because they asked Bernie, so of course they're going to ask Elizabeth Warren. So the question, which wasn't even a question, it was just a marketing ploy to get Bernie Sanders to make comments favorable to Elizabeth Warren. But I, I wouldn't mind Bernie Sanders. I, I admire that she's adopted most of my policies that I've been proposing for the last 30 years. Drop the mic. Sign off. So, as I showed you, from Medicare for All to propaganda about what he pays his campaign workers to then asking at the end of the interview for Bernie Sanders to basically fluff Elizabeth Warren's pillows, blow her wet kisses, I don't understand why Bernie Sanders keeps going on with these people. Bernie, fight the machine. Fight the corporate media machine. People want to see a fighter. People don't trust the media. I'm not... I'm not from the Trump campaign. I'm not calling, you know, for a, they're the enemy of the people and fake news. That's just BS from Trump to basically cloak himself, cloak himself over his corruption. But what I am saying is if you're going to go on with these people, figuratively call, uh, knock them in the face and call out the propaganda. No one's going to do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. I don't like the direction our country is going right now at all whatsoever. I want us to be able to have continuity between everybody. You know, you don't have all this, any problems with racism or anything at all. You know, let's just talk about things. Let's make it work, you know. And, and, and I just don't see it. It's all it's, right now. It seems to be one-sided more than anything else. Yeah. What about you get stuff in America that's made in America and it's made in a prison, and that's basically slave labor too. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the thing is you look at that, that side, though, they, you know, they're – they got themselves in prison for a reason. Something happened. They did something wrong, you know, and that's my my viewpoint on that. There, I mean, I, I really don't have any more about that to say about that whatsoever. But I think once you're if you if you've done something wrong, you pay the time. You do the crime, you pay the time. And I look at it that way. What about the numerous cases of like police planting drugs on people and all all of these numerous cases of police just making stuff up and getting folks wrong? Like, so you should be a slave because well, beside the point. You should be a, you should basically be a slave because you did something wrong, like because you committed a crime. Well, like you said, this, the police are planting things on people. Then I have a problem with that. <laughs> Big well, no, problem. I'm saying like besides besides that, like if you did something wrong, you committed a crime. Now you go to prison and you you get to be a slave now. So slavery is the punishment for, let's say, stealing a car. Well, I, you know, that's a, that's a very good point you're making there. It really is. And I really, to be honest, I really have a comeback for that at all. You know, I, like I said, you know, my feeling is if, you, if you've done something wrong, you pay the time. Joe Biden is the best choice for America. I see far fit for everybody out there. He's been in the White House before. He knows how to operate it. He knows policies, procedures, and he understands how the political process works. Um, I think that he'll be the best guy for us, and I hope that he does make it all the way through the, to the primary and we vote him in as president of the United States. First of all, with this guy, he wants to just, oh, you know, we, we just need to talk. We just need to, it's like Elizabeth Warren saying, let's just get everybody to the table. Everybody needs to get to the table on Medicare for All. At number one, we got 12 years until there's irreparable damage to the uh, uh, planet. And by the way, if you just look on Twitter every day, there's already damage being done that is almost irreparable. New York City is flooding by a little bit of rain. Okay? So we don't have time to just let's sit and talk. Uh, 40-something 40, 40 percent, I think it's more than that, but 47, 40 percent of Americans cannot afford a $400 emergency. Half of America lives in poverty. 
and we're supposed to just get together and sing Kumbaya and talk? Give me a break. Not to mention, community after community after community after community has their water poisoned. 11 years now. Thank you, Kathy. So Joe Biden's people, because generally they're in a decent position economically, they think, you know, we have time for talk and we have time, you know, let's just kind of, you know, it's like a weed whacker. Just take the weed whacker. Let's skim around the edges, a little fix here, a little fix here. No, we got to systematically, radically change right now, today. Secondly, his response on um, why he's for Biden. Yeah, Matthew got 60 bucks in the bank right now. Why he's for Biden. Oh, he's been in the White House before. He knows how politics works. Yeah, that's the reason that I don't want him because he's the problem with politics. But you don't see that because you watch MSNBC or CNN. Then you have this guy who obviously doesn't realize why there is so much crime in America to begin with. There's a lot of crime because people are economically desperate. People are economically desperate because of people like Joe Biden who give credit card companies giant, giant goodies. I'm talking about the bankruptcy bill. People are economically desperate because their homes were foreclosed on and they lost half of their savings during the financial crash of 2008 that was led by repealing Glass-Steagall. Joe Biden pushed for that. People are economically desperate leading to crime because there are no jobs or there are part-time jobs without benefits in the de-industrialized Rust Belt. Why is that? Because of things like NAFTA that Joe Biden voted for and pushed and things like what would be the TPP under a President Biden. So these people, uh, these older people, most of the Biden supporters are older. They're not all terrible people, but they're all wildly out of touch and very, very disconnected from what the majority of the country is dealing with because they're not themselves dealing with it. And basically, these are Republicans, a Republican country club Republican mindset uh, who think women should be able to uh, choose what happens to their bodies. Number one, that's not how you're going to defeat Donald Trump. And number two, this is widely out of touch with the severity of the crisis in America. We have an economic crisis. We have an environmental crisis. We have a water crisis. We have a uh, police brutality crisis. We have a, a economic violence, a, gentrifi- a gentrification crisis. We have crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. Ah, oh, these people. And, you know, Marcus was respectful. I might have been a little more confrontational. But this is the Joe Biden supporter. This is predominantly older Americans. And I'm not knocking all older people because a lot of older people that watch status quo and progressive media, a lot of older people that like Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard and progressive candidates. But unfortunately, there's more older people that are so out of touch with the crisis that their grandchildren or their kids are dealing with. They need to stop watching CNN, stop watching MSNBC, stop reading New York Times politics section and go talk to people in our generation, the millennials. Go talk to people, you know, their kids' ages, even in their 40s. People cannot afford incrementalism. People cannot afford, oh, this attitude of, let's just bring everybody to the table. Yeah, we're going to bring everyone to the table, and, you know, the lobbyists will just disappear, and the special interest groups will just disappear, 
and you know the the super PACs will just disappear and we'll just get everyone to the table to have a discussion. It, it, it's it's absurd. It really is absurd. This attitude. Joe Biden released a criminal justice plan, which to me is effectively an arsonist who burns down a house, then proposing fire safety regulations. Former Vice President rolled out his criminal justice plan Tuesday as the frontrunner has come under fire. First past record from 2020 Democratic opponents. The plan focuses on preventing crime, eliminating racial disparities, and providing second chances for those who have had contact with the criminal justice system. Biden, like Booker, Buttigieg, and Bernie Sanders, calls for the end of mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent drug crimes. The reason we have those is because of Joe Biden's crime bill, including some put in place by bills passed by Biden. The Biden plan calls for treatment for those who suffer from addiction rather than incarceration, increasing federal funds for drug courts, and elimination of the disparity in how crack users and cocaine users are charged and sentenced. Sentence also enacted while Biden served on the Judiciary Committee. So he's proposing basically fixes to the very toxic, regressive, damaging law that he pushed for in the 1990s. On marijuana, Biden, like other candidates, will decriminalize the drug. The former vice president will also automatically expunge records for those who have been convicted of marijuana-related offenses, but unlike some of his presidential opponents, he does not call for the federal legalization of the drug, but rather for it to be made a Schedule II drug so more research can be done on its effects. There's been a, more than enough research on marijuana's effects. It's a freaking plant. Biden's plan calls for an end to private prisons, but I'm sure he's going to fight for that considering he's currently taking money from private prisons. An end to cash bail and the death penalty. I would expand the Justice Department's purview to address police and prosecutor misconduct. It would also institute an independent task force to tackle discrimination as well. One unique feature of Biden's plan is the large emphasis on juvenile criminal justice reform, investing $1 billion annually to keep minors from being placed in adult prisons and expand funding for after-school programs, community centers, and summer jobs. The Biden plan would provide $20 billion in grants for states that find methods to reduce crime and incarceration, citing a proposal from the Brennan Center, the plan would be paid by, for by the saving, in, the saving incurred by reducing incarcerations over 10 years. Honestly, I don't care enough. I don't care to read it more because Joe Biden is not somebody to be trusted on criminal justice reform. Sorry, but I don't care to really list what Joe Biden's proposal is because why would I vote for the very art person who burned down the house to then fix fire safety codes in America. Why would anyone, whether white or black, predominantly specifically black people, think Joe Biden is the person that's going to bring them to the promised land as far as criminal justice reform, when he is the very person that instituted and pushed, not only pushed, but vehemently fought for these things on the Senate floor as a senator, I don't want these people near my mother, these people, a.k.a. young black men. There are predators on our streets, he said. He could say all he wants, oh, I regret it, this and that, but I want somebody who had the foresight then to say it was wrong, which Bernie Sanders did. He did vote for the crime bill because of its uh, Violence Against Women Act, but there are very, go to the videotape, he warned against the mass incarceration provisions, which Joe Biden was pushing through. So this is really basically 
you come burn down my house, you get away with it, and then you are part of the meeting on how we can avoid more house fires. But Joe Biden basically wants the corporate media and the Democratic Party voters to basically look at the unprecedented incarceration of black men for nonviolent crimes as just like, yeah, it was a blip in the road, a mistake. This has ruined lives. This has ruined families. This has ruined a whole generation of men. You want to call this a mistake? It disqualifies you to be president of the United States. Frankly, should be more chatter about who was vetting this man on Barack Obama's team. Probably Barack Obama's brain trust that was filled with Wall Street bankers. This is somebody that worked with a segregationist senator to pass anti-busing legislation. This is someone who referred to black people as the Negroes. I don't care if it was a different time. Bernie Sanders wasn't doing that. So I don't want to be the white guy asking black people, do you know what's good for you? I'm not saying that. You can vote for whoever you want. But to the older black men and women who are supporting Joe Biden right now, it's your kids. It's, it's your kids that were jailed by, by this. It's not a mistake. It was by design. It's not a mistake. It was by design. And as of 2016, as of 2016, he did interviews not apologizing, defending the crime bill, and saying it did not usher in mass incarceration. So now we're supposed to read his fixes for the fire he started and say, you know, we think he means it. We think he means it when he apologizes. So let's give, let's give the keys to Joe Biden. Do you know, uh, you know, the United Corporations are not corrupt enough. The United Corporations are not corrupt enough. You know, we're not, we're not doing enough. You know, we're basically watching people die because they won't pay us for grossly, grossly price gouged medicine and health care. You know, we just put students and young people into a dark cloud of debt, strangling them for the rest of their lives so we can make money. But that's not corrupt enough. That's not corrupt enough. So now uh, Pennsylvania is telling parents that if you don't pay the lunch lady, we're going to take your kids. If you don't pay for school lunch, we're taking your kids. The Wyoming Valley West School District in Pennsylvania sent out hundreds of letters this week telling parents who had lunch debt to pay or their children could go into foster care. The letter, I mean, I, I thought this was like the onion. The letter, which was reviewed by CNN, told parents that there have been multiple letters sent home with your child and that no payments have been made. Your child has been sent to school every day without money and without a breakfast and or lunch, the letter read. It also said failure to provide children with food could result in parents being sent to dependency court. If you are taken to dependency court, the result may be your young child being removed from your home and placed in foster care. School division says it's owed more than 22,000. About 1,000 letters were sent to parents in the district, causing an uproar in Luzerne County near Scranton and making national headlines. Wyoming Valley's cafeteria purchase charging and insufficient funds policy says nothing about parents potentially going to court 
or giving up their children. It does say that families with a student account that reaches negative $10 or more will receive an automated call every Friday until the account is paid off. I mean, Jesus. So let me get this straight. First of all, first of all, for those of you who haven't seen it, I watched a documentary over the weekend called Fed Up. Fed Up about the food, for-profit food industry. You got to watch it. By the way, Minnesota Congresswoman, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, because she takes money from a very big frozen pizza uh, conglomerate, uh, basically crammed into legislation. Uh, they were trying, the, um, you know, healthy food industry was trying to get frozen pizzas taken out of school cafeterias. Amy Klobuchar wrote, it, wrote into a bill some cockamamie argument that frozen pizza was a vegetable because of the tomato paste on the frozen pizza. So frozen pizza is still in schools because of Amy Klobuchar. But putting aside the fact that it is obscene to basically threaten parents to take away their kids if they're behind on their school lunch bill, the food in this cafe- these cafeterias is not even food. And I'm not the healthiest eater. But the food in these cafeterias, if you watch this documentary, they got Papa John's pizza, they got Taco Bell. It's crap that is being fed to the children of America. That's number one. Number two, okay, so if parents are behind, it goes with the fact that people are working two to three jobs, people can't afford their health care, people have to choose between Uh, paying for rent or groceries or electricity, or we could go on and on. There's a lot of reasons people fall behind. Is it good for the children to put them in foster care because a parent is behind on their school lunch? Maybe you could have a payment program. I mean, what kind of country is this? It's just mind-boggling. We don't care if people live or die as far as health care. We got an unprecedented amount of homeless people uh, on the streets. Nobody cares. Our water is contaminated. For-profit companies, corporate media could care less. And now, if you don't pay the lunch lady on time or you're a little bit behind, we're going to put kids in foster care. When does the greed end? Jen, you used to be a teacher. Jen, you're in the super chat and you used to be in education. Is this obscene or is it just me? Late stage capitalism is right. Can you imagine, Jen? Jen has two kids or anyone watching. You get a letter. We're going to put your kids in foster care because you owe $300 on school lunch. You just can't make it up. Obviously... Uh, Since this got national attention, the school was backtracking and saying, oh, that's not what we meant, and blah, 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 blah. But stuff like this is happening all over the country. It's not just school lunches. I mean, in Flint, Michigan, they poisoned a whole community of over 100,000 people, all poor, majority black community, and then they placed tax liens and threatened to take your home if you don't pay for the still poisonous water bill five and a half uh, what are we five months a little over five years this water crisis has been going on in flint i have a meeting when i go to detroit next week 
not going to say with who, but I'm staying on the Flint water crisis because who the hell else is? So we're going to poison you. And if you don't pay the bill for us poisoning you, we're taking your house. You think Joe Biden's going to fix this? Because this isn't just about, this is a, this is a sickness. This is the Gordon geckoization of America for the last 30 years. The greed is good to get all the money you can. And you want to know something? It's, it shows a lot. It shows a lot about the priorities of the American government, by the way, which are bought off by the for-profit education system, too, that a local county or whatever it is in Pennsylvania, to their funding for their schools is so tight that they have to take the step of saying, if you are late paying the lunch lady, we're going to take your kids. Maybe if the schools were funded properly, we wouldn't have such social Darwinism. I mean, the story is unbelievable. 